Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. Now come on, let's give God a great praise. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. If we're saying that he is great, then that means he is worthy of a great praise. Can we? That's right, Tim. Come on, can we give God a great praise in this place? Come on, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Come on, come on, come on, come on. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name. You may be seated. You may be seated in God's house. We serve a mighty God. I said we serve a mighty God. And he's certainly worth our praise. He's certainly worth our worship. He's certainly worth the honor that we esteem to his name. The Bible says, for his name is great. <laughs> his name is great. You know, that, that says a lot because, you know, there, there are some people when you hear their name, it may, it may produce some type of negative response or reaction. Y'all not saying anything to me. Let me talk to this side. Sometimes when you hear someone's name, it's, oh, I don't, you know. I mean, immediately you begin to think about what that person did, how that person made you feel, how that person uh, 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 affected your life, maybe in a negative way. But the Bible says, for his name is great. Do I, do I have anybody in this place that knows about his name being great? Has anybody ever called upon the name of the Lord? Has anybody ever called upon him and he answered you? So, so, so that's the reason why we can say, for his name is great and he's worthy to be praised. We thank God just alone for his name. Before we even get to his person, we understand that his name is great. And then we, and then when we encounter his person, not only do we know that his name is great, but we also know that he is great and he's worthy to be praised. He is a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let me move on. We, we, we are thankful for all of you all being in God's house today. Um, so thankful for my good friend, Jonathan Gazelle, who's here. He came and surprised me. Thank God for him and his friend, Jen. Thank you all so much for coming. I, when I first stepped into this role as pastor, we've been friends for a long time, and he came and bought me two books on my two favorite people, the Bible, Jesus, <laughs> and then he gave me a book on the autobiography of Michael Jordan. Now, I mean, you know, he's just a wonderful friend. We thank God for him. Amen. Turn to turning your Bibles to First uh, Samuel chapter two. First Samuel chapter two, verses nineteen through twenty-one. We are still in our series, a coat for a kid. Uh, so good to see my buddy Tim. He's in the house today. Amen. Tim, I missed you, man. I missed you. So good to see you, man. So good to see you. Amen. So good to see Sister Stella back in the house. God has touching her body, and Mother Lorraine. So good to see all of our, all, all of our precious saints. Amen. Sister Lena, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Mama Sylvia is back there holding it down for me, back on the left side. Amen. Thank God for you, Mama Sylvia. All of God's people everywhere. All of God's people everywhere. Um, you know, these, these last couple of weeks, <clears throat> these last couple of weeks have, have really um, had me thinking, had me thinking. I told you, it's the power of God in this place. It gives me my own theme music. It's the moment I get to start. 
Let's try this again. These last couple of weeks have just really had me thinking, uh, thinking a lot, thinking about uh, my childhood. Um, and uh, when, when we were growing up as young boys in the golf household, uh, there, were, there were some things that my mom and dad, especially my dad, really, really um, uh, instilled in us. How, how many people had parents that just really made, made it a specific point to instill some very important things into your life as you were matriculating up from your childhood years to, ad, to pre-adolescence, to adolescence or teenage years and all those things? Let me just share with you a couple of things that my dad... <laughs> Some of this stuff, some of this stuff, I mean, you got to just know. My mom and dad, they raised three boys, three boys. My mom was the only girl in the household, so, so, so he had to really kind of just drill hard on us. Um, my dad would always uh, uh, give us lessons like, like this was probably his number one lesson that, that he wanted to make sure that we understood, and that is we would never be successful if we did not save money. My dad was really big on making sure, and I mean, that, that was kind of a hard thing. I mean, like, we would never be, like, our whole success <laughs> rested on the fact of whether or not we saved money, and like, he would always have his little tagline, you know, you better stash some cash, book, you better stash some cash. Uh, another thing that, that he would always tell us, he pursue your dreams, uh, but always have a backup plan, and I'm thankful for my backup plan because um, my career in the NBA as a professional basketball player just didn't quite work out. Sister uh, Denise, it didn't quite work out for me, so I'm thankful for my backup plan. Uh, then he would always teach us that, 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 that when we got paid, uh, that we were to pay God, tithing, pay ourselves. That was right in line with him save, telling us to save money, and then pay your bills. You know, don't just give all your money to your bills and you have nothing left to show for the work that you do. So pay God, pay yourself, then pay your bills. These, these are just lessons that my dad uh, taught us. Uh, this one could be a little raw, but we're all adults in here. He, he, he would tell us that if we keep God first, Keep God first in your life. Uh, keep your head on straight. Keep, keep a good head on your shoulders. And then he would tell us boys, keep that thing in your pants that you can write your own ticket. You, you could write your, this is what my dad would tell us. He would teach us, he would tell us this. And, and, and some of y'all looking at me strange, but, you know, you need to tell your, your children, you know. All right, all right, all right. Let, let, let me keep on going. Um, he would also tell us don't, don't seek to be successful. Seek to be significant. Don't seek to be successful, but seek to be significant. And then he would tell us the difference between success and significance. The difference between success and significance is this. Success is when you add value to yourself. Significance is when you add value to someone else. These are lessons that my dad would teach us. And then, and then my dad, I mean, <laughs> I kind of had to have a come to Jesus moment. But my dad would always, he, he wanted us to read this book called Jonathan Livingston Seagull. It was a book about, you, you know, Sister Lena, about the book. It was a book about this bird who had to rise, or a seagull who had to rise above circumstances. And he was, he was very, very uh, dogmatic about us reading this book. And I had to tell him, I said, Dad, I got to be honest, I never read the book. I cheated. I, 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 read, I, read the, I read the notes on the back of the book. And then I told you that I read it, but, 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 but later on, it made me want to go back and read the book. And he was very serious about it. even the grandkids. I mean, Reagan, who's one years old, he was like, hey, I'm going to buy that book for Reagan for Christmas. The book is 144 pages and she's one years old, not even saying words, but he said, I'm going to buy it for her for Christmas because all the grandkids need to read Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Those are just a few of the life lessons that, 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 that my dad, just on the natural side, just made sure to deposit into our lives as we were growing up. We heard these lessons over and over and over again. I mean, I can remember, I, 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 can, I can see his face. I, I know his gesture. You know, you'll never be successful if you don't save money. I'm like, really, Dad? Like, my whole life success Rest on saving money. I mean, and, 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 and though he was being a little exaggerated, uh, he was very serious about always making sure that not only did you save, but that you had money in your pocket because you never knew what was going to happen. But I want us to look, turn in the scriptures, because I think that there were some uh, important lessons still keeping in line with our uh, A Coat for a Kid series. 
In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, God began to show me something this week, and I just want to share it with you. I I, I may use my spiritual imagination just for a bit, just to kind of emphasize the point that I want to make, but uh, just bear with me. Amen? Amen. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 2. Uh, verse 19 through 21, and verses on the screen. It said, moreover, his mom, his mother, made him a little coat (laughs) and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife, Hannah, and said, the Lord give the seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went unto their own home, and the Lord, watch this, visited Hannah, so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel, which she gave to the Lord, grew before the Lord. I want to use, just for just a point of emphasis, pockets of blessings, pockets of blessings. Most of us know all about uh, Samuel and his mom, Hannah. You know, Samuel was this miracle baby that, uh, and and all of us have, have, all of us who have children know that all of our children are absolutely miracles, amen? And and, and it's going to take a miracle for for them to grow up and be all that God wants them to be. Uh, and it's even going to take a miracle sometimes for us as parents to, 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 to make it to that point with any sense in our heads after we have raised these, these little miracles. But yet there was something very special about Samuel. I think he was special because it was that prayer that Hannah prayed for this child I prayed unto God for. And while, while she was in the temple, and not only did she pray, but she made a vow to the Lord. And the vow that she made to the Lord was that if he grant, watch this and don't miss this. The vow that she made was that if he granted her request, that she would give the child back to God. She was requesting for a baby. But she made a vow to God that if he would give her what it is that she was asking for, she would give what it is that he had for her back to him. The question that I have is, have you ever asked God for something just to give it back to him? Have you ever asked God for something just to give it back to God? This seems like such an unusual request, but I think that Hannah is showing us something here. And I think that she's revealing a very important hidden treasure from the Lord. I believe that what Hannah is showing us today is that it is more important, watch this revival, it's more important for us to allow God to deliver a blessing through us than it is for God to deliver a blessing to us. So many people want to receive the blessing of God, but they uh, 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 just want it for themselves, just want it for their own selfish reasons. But I, but, but I think what Hannah is showing us today is that you need to allow God to, to, to allow you to be a conduit of his blessings, to be a, 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 a transportation method for his blessing. See, see most, most of us don't like being a conduit because the conduit doesn't get any recognition. Nobody pays attention to the conduit of, of, of what it is that they need until something goes wrong. You go to the water faucet, cut on the water faucet, you put that glass up under the spigot, and water comes out. Nobody thinks about old Mr. Pipe until lead is found in old Mr. Pipe. And then you want to start complaining about Mr. Pipe and replacing Mr. Pipe because we don't want that to affect. But let me just tell you something. The man or, 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 or the portal in which God brings about the blessing is, is just as important as the blessing itself. Even while he was a small child, Samuel served God. From the time that he was but a boy, he had his own, he even had his own linen ephod as he began to minister before the Lord in the temple of God. 
The scriptures, the scripture further states that, that his parents would come. Watch this. His parents would come year after year to the tabernacle to offer sacrifices. And when they would come, his mother would bring to him a little coat. A little coat. And this was a coat that she had made for him each year. This was the outer garment of the linen ephod that he would wear that would no doubt keep him warm in cold weather, but it also served to kind of dress up his appearance. And as I began to use my uh, spiritual imagination, I kind of just thought about, thought about coats, thought about even a sport coat, how, you know, us as men, we may have suit jackets or sport coats, and how many know there are so many pockets on that sport coat, on that jacket. You got those outside pockets. You got the pocket for your pocket square. If you open it up, you got a pocket on the inside. You got, they even make the suit jackets now with the linen, uh, a liner on the inside that has a pocket for your cell phone. I mean, there's pockets all over this jacket. And I, I just begin to kind of use my spiritual imagination thinking about these pockets that were on there and about this mom who prayed earnestly for this child and she prayed so much for him that she made a vow to the Lord God, if you give me this child, I'll give him back to you. What would you do if you had prayed earnestly for a child and then you gave the child back to the Lord and you only saw the child once a year? You made this coat for this child that you saw this child once a year. You made this coat for this child. I would think as any good mother would, that she would begin to put little things in the pocket for the boy. <laughs> I was talking with somebody the other day. How many people had, had those, uh, grew up in church, or just anywhere, you know, had that mother in church or that auntie who, she would always be able to pull something out the pocket for you. <laughs> y'all act like y'all know what I'm talking about. Let me talk to this side, you know. Whether it's a little peppermint, I had an aunt. I had, this is honest to goodness truth. God rest her soul. Aunt Bunt. We call her Bunt. Her name was Alice. We called her Bunt. Don't know where the nickname came from, but that's what we called her. Aunt Bunt. Bunt would have chicken. I mean, you know, like we would come back. We would come back. We would come back from a, like, you know, night service, you know, and then whatever she had for dinner, she had, she had wrapped in some little foil and had some chicken. I'm like, Bunt, what are you doing eating chicken in church? I mean, but she always had something in her pocket, and she was like, here, here, you, you, you hungry, you need to eat something. And she would give us stuff out of her glory. She remember Aunt Bunt? Yeah, you remember Aunt Bunt. She would always have stuff in her, in her pockets or in her purse, you know, whatever the case was. But I can just imagine Hannah praying so earnestly for this child, putting these little goodies inside of Samuel's pockets, of his, of his jacket, of his coat, because she knew that she wouldn't see this child again for a whole nother year. Send him, not send him with a coat with empty pockets, but send little goodies in every pocket. So that when Samuel went to go put the coat on, he would reach his hand in his pocket and pull out another gift from mom and dad. As I began thinking about this, my question that I began asking myself and that I even want to pose to you is, what are you putting in your children's pockets? Or what have been instilled in your pockets? <laughs> I think that if we look at the story of Hannah, I think we can draw some conclusions about what she put in the young boy Samuel's pockets. And I want to challenge you today as we go through this, and I, and I promise I won't be long, but I want to challenge you today that we, we need to be very intentional about the things that we are putting into the next generation. We need to be very intentional about the things that we are placing into their lives and into their spirits. Are you giving them the example of a drunkard? Or are you putting them, putting in their pockets worldliness of, of this generation? Are you putting in their pockets hope only in this life? Let me tell you something, if your children or if your child or if the next generation that, that, that God may have made you a steward over, if their pockets are filled with just money and an inheritance from you, 
but they do not have the assurance that the family circle will never be broken. Let me tell you something. That generation is going to be poor. We have to make sure, because I should share with you some of the natural lessons that my father and mother uh, put into our pockets or that my dad instilled into us golf boys as we were growing up. But, but allow me to also share with you some of the spiritual things that they put into our pockets. And I think even aligned with what some of them of what Hannah began to put. I encourage you today that, that, that as you load your child or load this next generation's pockets up with spiritual blessings, that from time to time when they need it, they'll be able to reach into their pocket and pull out just what they need and use it. For the Bible tells us very, very plainly that we are to train up a child. Train up a child. Notice it doesn't say train up your child. But it says train up a child. Because we all have a role to play in the lives of our next generation. So we ought to train up a child in what? The way that he or she should go so that when they're old, they will not depart from it. Here's some of the blessings that I found that I have in my pocket today. I'll just share with you and then, and then we're going to be done. The first, the, the first blessing that I can't get away from that I find in my pocket that I encourage you to make sure that you instill in the pocket of the next generation is prayer. Y'all not saying nothing to me today. But you got to make sure that you're instilling prayer into the lives of this generation. See, there may not be a trust fund with a big inheritance of money when my grandparents or when my parents die. But one thing I do know is that I will have that far, is that I have something that far outweighs wealth and money, and that is the ability to wage war in the spirit. I know without a shadow of a doubt that that that, that is one of the things that I find in the in the pockets of my coat. From my great-grandparents to my grandparents to my parents to me and now even into my children, Kaylin and Reagan, we know that prayer is the steering wheel and not the spare tire. Let me just tell you something, my brothers and sisters, the most important thing that you could ever do in your time right now is to pray for this next generation. Stop them wherever they're going, no matter what they're doing. Whenever you see them, stop them and say, let me breathe the word of prayer over you. Let me pray for you. Let me talk to Jesus on your behalf. Because let me just tell you something. When you pray, God listens and God makes things happen. The most, we recognize that prayer is the most important conversation of the day. And we've learned to take it to God before we take it to anyone else. And I think Hannah had had this to even put into Samuel's pockets as well. Because when we look at 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, the Bible says that in her deep anguish, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she, and watch this, verse 11, and she made a vow saying, God Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Hannah prayed that God would give Samuel to her. And she prayed not only that, 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 that Hannah would give Samuel to her, but, he, but she also prayed for what he would be when he was an adult. Let me tell you something. You need to be sure that you are praying the right things over your children. We need to make sure that we are praying the right things over this next generation. How long? I got a question for you. How long has it been since your children or children around you have heard you pray for them? Or do all they hear is you telling them, maybe you don't have children in your home. Maybe you got children living next door to you. But do all they hear from you is get off my grass? Stop making all that ruckus in the street? When are you going to go outside and say, hey, come on, guys. Come on, let's get together. Let's pray. 
I want to pray God's blessing over your life. I want to pray God's protection over your life. I want to pray God that, 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 that God would allow you to be all that he wants you to be in this life. And I ultimately want to pray that you would give your life to him so that not only in this life but even in the life to come, you can live with him forever. I'll even take it a step further. Not only when have your children ever heard you pray for them, but, 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 but when have your children ever heard you wage war in the spirit? <laughs> See, I grew up in a Pentecostal church <laughs> where we spoke in unknown tongues. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, and so I remember these things. And I began, as God began uh, 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 revealing and, and showing me what it is that he wanted me to, to, to speak on the day, I began getting convicted. You know why? Because I grew up in a household, I grew up in a church, I grew up in an environment where speaking in tongues was not a foreign thing. Most of you all know my mom, and she sent her love. She couldn't make it here today, even though she wanted to be here, but she did say she's watching via web. Mama, I love you. And just like every superstar does, says, hi, mom. I'll say it to her right now. But let me just tell you something. It was, I mean, my mom would go... Me and my brother, we, I mean, because it don't take mama long at all. I mean, we say mama goes in in a second. I mean, she would just begin speaking in tongues, going before the Lord, praying in the spirit. And I remember earlier this year, we had taken the kids on vacation, and my mom came along with us, and we were down in Florida. And it was at the time when we, had, we were first kind of understanding of, of some of the prognosis that was happening for my grandmother, who the doctors had said that she was diagnosed with, with colon cancer. And so there was some months that had passed, and she, my grandma went back to the doctor to find out if, 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 if it had spread because she was taking some medication and doing some things to try to make sure that it was contained in one area. And the call came in that grandmama had went to the doctor, and the doctor had said, not only has it not spread, but it's even gotten smaller. <laughs> And at that moment, Mama began, Mama got the call on her phone, and all we began to hear was her just erupt into praise and begin to speak in tongues and begin to glorify God. And my, and my Kaylin, who was five at the time, it frightened her. And she began saying, what, what is Grand Grand saying? And I began to get convicted because... I had realized that I had shielded from my five-year-old daughter the gift that God gives us to speak directly to the Father when we speak in an unknown tongue. And I didn't do anything about it then. Then last month, as we were here on a Wednesday night, November the 9th, I'll never forget that night. It was a night of our installation service. And they called Cordy and I up, and they called the family up, and Pastor Tim began praying, and Bishop Evans began praying, and I'll never forget Pastor Tim began speaking in tongues and laying hands on us. And Kaylin was there once again, just with that perplexed, confused look on her face. And some of you all may have heard it because she said it so loud, I was so embarrassed, and she, she says to Pastor Tim, I mean, right at the end of the prayer, I mean, this, 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 is, this is a celebration moment. She, she's, she's, I mean, we, we are just, I mean, tears are flowing. And she says to him, and he has the microphone kind of down, and she says, what's humana, 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 humana? I said, oh, my God. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> My six-year-old now, she, she's asking the man who was just praying over me and my wife and the family, God, that God will use us in a mighty way. And she's just like, what, is, what, what are you saying? And at that point, that moment, I began to even get more convicted. But I say, you know what? Never again will I hide the fact of what it is that's been instilled in my pockets. And I'll begin to pass this down to generation, to generation, then to generations to come. Not only should we instill prayer in the pockets of our children's coats, but I think another thing that we should do is we should instill our personal testimony. See, I know we don't have testimony service in church any longer, but that shouldn't stop you from testifying and telling about the goodness of the Lord. See, when I was 
growing up, I remember hearing the testimonies of my grandmother and my grandfather and my mother and others of how when the Lord saved them, about when the Lord sanctified them, about when they got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. I remember the testimonies of how they came through and how God changed their life and how God turned them around, how God picked them up and turned them around and placed their feet on the solid ground. I remember my mom talking about the revivals of 1972 and 1973 when the evangelists were coming to town and she was a wayward person, but she began to surrender her heart to the Lord, and that was the day that God saved her. I know my mama's natural birthday, but I also know my mama's spiritual birthday because God began to press it on her heart to make sure that she instilled in us why she came to the Lord, how God saved her, how God changed her, how God delivered her. Do your children know your testimony? Come on, somebody. This is, oh, my, 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 my. See, when you look in 1 Samuel, let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 1, and we could even look at verse 5. Watch this. It says, but Hannah, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. This is talking about her husband who had two wives, Hannah and Peniah. And Peniah was fruitful. She was not barren. She began to have children, and she began to make fun of Hannah saying, see, I can have children and you don't. You know, I mean, I'm beginning to poke fun at, all, at, 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 at the affliction that she had on her body. And so the husband who loved Hannah gave her a mother's portion. Can I tell you something? That even in your affliction, God is able to see you and to see exactly what you need and will still favor your life. Ah. Even though you may not have what you think you should have, God will give you what you need, and even though you did have it. I don't hear nobody saying nothing to me in this place. And though she could have no children, her husband gave her a portion that was worthy of a mother. God, I thank you because though I wasn't worthy and though I didn't live like I should have lived, though I didn't walk like I should have walked, though I didn't talk like I should have talked, God still gave me the portion just as though I was his son. God still gave me the things that I need even though I didn't deserve it. But because of his grace and his mercy, he continued to clothe me with riches. He continued to shower me with blessings. He continued to make sure there was food on the table, clothes on my back, shoes on my feet, a roof over my head. He continued to provide for me and give me things even though I don't deserve it. Do I have anybody in this place that's thankful to God that he continues to give you things even though you didn't have what you're supposed to have? And the Bible says that for the godly women, her family would know and declare her testimony. <laughs> Proverbs 31 and 28 says, her children will arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he, and he praises her. I wonder if your children know your testimony. Do they know about your salvation experience? Does your walk with God show your relationship with him? And see, and we wonder why our young people are going through the crazy that they're going through today. Let me go ahead and take my time with it because I got some time. Uh, uh, we wonder why they're going through some of the mess that they're going through. Let me tell you something. Maybe, just maybe, honey, it's because you refuse to share your testimony about the crazy that you were in. Uh, because, see, if you would begin to share how God brought you through and how God delivered you and how God made a way for you, maybe they would say, you know what, I don't need to go down that road. I don't need to go down that path. I can make a different decision because I can learn from the, from the mistakes of others and I can start where they stopped. I don't have to make those same mistakes because God is able to do a new thing. He can start all over with me. He can break the family curse and I can move on in the things of him. But we refuse to tell our testimony. Why? Because we don't want the young people looking at us a different kind of way. 
Oh, you mean how they looked at you when you went through it? If we would just learn to tell our testimony. The Bible says, hallelujah, and they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Let me tell you something. You got to tell it. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, you got to tell it. Stop sitting on that testimony. Stop sitting on that thing that God has done for you in your life. But begin telling it to the next generation. Begin telling it to those people around you. Tell it to the people at your job. Tell it to the people on your block. Tell it to the people in your church. Tell it to the people in your small group. Tell your testimony about the goodness of the Lord. Look at somebody and say, I won't be silent anymore. Won't be silent anymore. Back in the day, whenever the Lord would deliver the children of Israel as a, from a test or a trial, they would leave stones, stone markers at the point of their deliverance. This would serve for the next generation as a testimony so that when they came that way again, they would begin to inquire and say, What's that? what are those stones for? And then it would trigger something in the heart and in the mind of the previous generation to testify about how God delivered them when they once were here before. I got a question for you, Revival. Where are the stones at in your life? Where are the stone markers? What's going to prompt this next generation of your children to ask questions and say, hey, what's that for? What's that scar for? What's that stone marker for? If there's nothing there, they won't ask. Not only should we be putting prayer into their pockets. Not only should we be putting personal testimonies into their pockets, but I got another thing that we need to be putting in their pockets. Powerful worship. Not only prayer, not only personal testimony, but powerful worship. First Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I'm not going to read them all, but if you look at there, Hannah began to write her own song, and sing her own song. Lord, help me in this place. I, because, see, I feel the Holy Ghost working on the inside, and something may erupt on the outside, so don't charge it to me to let the Holy Ghost take over. But let me just tell you something. There needs to be a moment in your life where you're not just singing the songs that, that, that Pastor Lisa leads us in and the worship team leads us in. You're not just waiting on words to be up on a screen, but there should be something down on the inside that begins to say, I got, a, I got something to say. I need to write my own song. It may not have the right structure. It may not be a verse, a hook, verse two, a hook, a bridge, and a vamp. It may not have any of that. But I do know because of what God has done for me, I need to begin to worship him. I need to begin to lift my hands. I need to begin to fall on my knees. I need to begin to open up my mouth and declare, God, you're wonderful to me. God, you're marvelous to me. God, you're more than able in my life. I'm facing something right now, but I've seen what you did before, and I know that you're able to do it again, and so I worship you. When was the last time that your children saw you worship? <laughs> and don't stay here at church because y'all don't show up on time to worship. But when was the last time that your children saw you break out in powerful worship unto the Lord? When was the last time that they seen you bow before the king? When was the last time they saw you kneel before the almighty God and say, Lord, at your feet is the most high place for me? Not just prayer, not just a personal testimony, but powerful worship. You should have a worship that explodes whenever you think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for you. Something on the inside should erupt on the outside and cry out, Hallelujah! I don't mean to be hollering. I don't mean to get loud and excited, but I do mean to tell you God's been too good. 
When was the last time you didn't care how somebody looked at you? When was the last time you didn't care how somebody felt about you when you were praising God? When was the last time you said, you know what, just like David, I don't care what, how they're looking at me through the window. They think I'm undignified right now. Oh, you just wait a minute. I can get more undignified than this. You ain't seen nothing yet. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh the help, knowing that my help comes from the Lord, the God who made heaven and earth. I will worship him. So in my time of need, in my time of need, when I've been in the hospital room and I've been there every single day when I'm in the hospital room, all I know to do is worship. As a matter of fact, this past Wednesday, I was in the hospital room. And I was worshiping. I was crying out to the Lord, saying, God, they're saying that, that there's nothing else they can do. God, they're saying that there's nothing else that can be done, that he's just going to be like this. And we began worshiping even after we tried to do some things, even in our own power. We were trying to get Daddy moved from one hospital to another hospital because they were saying that this hospital had a comprehensive program for stroke patients. And so we were thinking, well, let's just get him there. Maybe they can do something. But then they denied the request and said, whatever that hospital is doing, we wouldn't be able to do anything extra for him. And so we began to get down in our spirits. And then God began to say, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And I sat there in that hospital room, and I began to worship God. My hands began to lift, and my heart began to cry out to God, say, God, we need a miracle from you. And the nurse walked in and began to talk to Daddy as though they had had conversation. Mind you, he's still in a coma, and we have not seen any type of uh, on-command response or reactions from him. But as I was worshiping, she began talking. She began doing assessments, and she said, David, I need you to open your eyes. And my daddy's eyes began to open. She said, David, I need you to squeeze my hand, and he began to squeeze her fingers. She said, David, your son, Devin, is in the room, and he's worshiping. Do you want him to come and talk to you? And he began to blink his eyes. He began, and he, she said, why don't you move your feet, David? And he began to wiggle his right foot. And I tell you, when I begin to think about God and all that he has done in my life, all I have is a worship. All I have is my hands to be lifted. All I have is for my mouth to open up. All I have is for my eyes to water with tears. All I have is what they put on the inside of me. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me and I'm bringing those things back out? Yeah! Y'all sit down. Y'all sit down. Y'all scaring Jonathan. Sit down. Sit down. You're scaring Jonathan. Because there's something that happens when I need to get God's attention. I need to start pulling out those blessings that's in my pocket. Say, God, I need a prayer. I need a work through. I need a testimony. I need a praise. I need a worship. Because when you get to the point when you don't really care about how people are looking at you, it's not a matter about what people think. It all matters is about his presence. Not only, I'm trying to move on, y'all. Not only do we need to put prayer in these pockets, not only do we need to make sure that there's a personal testimony in these pockets, not only do we need to have powerful worship in these pockets, but let me give you one more. I got two more, but I may only be able to get out one more. You got to have proven word in the pockets. What are you talking about, Pastor Devin? Proven word. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. 
it reads like this. It says, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no widespread of revelation. Uh, see, it was considered precious because the word of God was right. The word of God was real. And the word of God was rare. Can I tell you something? That's how it was in that day. And that's how it still is today. Don't raise your children on twinkle, twinkle, little star alone. Don't raise your kids on itsy bitsy spider alone. I'm not knocking it. I said alone. There is a place for those things, and I appreciate it. We, we still do Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star with Reagan to this day. Kaylin, even at six years old, even loves to jump in, Incy Bitsy Spider, doing the hand motions and everything. But you know what else they know? They also know the Lord is my shepherd, and I have need of nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, they also know he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Yeah, even at six years old, I'm making her learn Psalms 91. You know why? Because there's a dangerous world out here, and she needs to know some word on the inside of her when danger comes and when stranger danger begins to impede upon her personal space. Not only does she need to understand, yeah, you're in my personal bubble, but she also needs to know the Lord will provide everything that she needs, and God will be a very present help in her time of need. Teach them the word of God. Psalms 119 and 11 echoes what it echoed or what it began to say in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9. Listen to what it says. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest down in the house, when thou wakest up by the way, and when thou liest down, and even when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon their hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of the house and the gates. What is all that saying? It's saying that every breaking moment of the day, they need to see, hear, and be taught the word of God. It doesn't matter where they are. If they're going to bed, teach them the word of God. When they get up in the morning, teach them the word of God. When they're sitting out at the table, teach them the word of God. When they're going out the door, teach them the word of God. When they're coming back in the house, teach them the word of God. It doesn't matter where they are, what they're doing, where they've been. Teach them the word of God. It's your responsibility to teach them the word. They need to know the word of God works. It's one of the things that my daddy began to tell us. My dad would stand on the word of God. <laughs> and he would stand on God's word with concrete faith. I remember getting upset with him because he would call me and say, hey, Dev, uh, you know, you know, because I hooked him up with Dr. Rennie. I said, Dr. Rennie, I know, you know, you're good at what you do. See my daddy if you can, you know. He began to care for him, and, and daddy would call me and say, yeah, yeah, man, you know, you know, Buck, I, oh. yeah, I'm not going to take that medication. <laughs> because he was standing on God's word. I mean, he had this crazy faith, and that's the reason why he is fighting through even now because of the faith that he began to stay. I mean, my dad would tell us he wanted to be radical with his faith. If he had gotten to the point to where there was nothing the doctors could do, he was satisfied being in the hands of God because he'd rather be in God's hands so that when God raises him up, that, 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 that nobody would be able to take the credit but God himself. 
And I'm not saying that's for everybody. Trust me, listen to me, listen to what I'm saying. That's not for everybody. But that's where his faith level was. That's where his faith level is even now. And that's not a knock against, because let me tell you something. There are days when I'm not there. (laughs) But God deals with us according to our faith and where we are. This is where he is. And so what do we do? We stand with him. We believe God to do amazing and miracles, miracles in his life even right now. And God is faithful to his word. But our children, this generation, they need to know the word of God. They need to know that the word of God works. They need to know that, 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 that though weapons are formed against them, they won't prosper. Our children need to know that they can do all things through Christ that gives us strength. They need to know that when, the, when they dwell in the secret place of the Most High, they will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. They need to know that in the time of trouble, they can call upon the name of the Lord and he will answer them. They need to know that even when mother and father is not around, the Lord would take them up. They need to know that, when, uh, that he was wounded for our transgressions, that he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes they are healed. They need to know that uh, when one day God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. They need to know that there will come a day where they will hunger no more. Neither will they thirst anymore. They need to know there's a day coming in the moment in a twinkling of an eye where we will be caught up to meet him in the air and we will be just like him. They need to know that they call upon the name of the Lord They shall be saved. They got to know. And how will they know? Unless we tell them. Come on, stand to your feet. Let me give you the fifth point and then we can wrap this thing on up. Not only do they need prayers, not only do they need personal testimony, powerful worship, proven word, This I kind of call my practical point. Our children, this generation, they need precious memories. Precious memories. Precious memories. Proverbs 22 and 6, we quoted earlier, train up a child. You see, they may run, but they can't outrun the upbringing. They can't outrun the upbringing. I can't outrun the upbringing. I can't outrun those memories from those experiences and those moments that were there when I was a five-year-old boy, a six-year-old boy, seven, 10, 12, 13. The memories... (laughs) will follow them. And as the memories are following them, the Holy Ghost will use them. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? The Holy Spirit will use those memories and draw them to himself. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, you know what it says? It's one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says that the goodness of God will lead them to repentance. The goodness of God will lead them to repentance. We need to create space for the goodness of God. I know, I know we gotta discipline, we gotta rear them up, raise them up. But take time to enjoy the goodness of God. And be sure to involve your children in the goodness of God. You guys were so good to us during 
Pastor's Appreciation Month, and we got gift certificates to different restaurants. And I would tell Kaylin, I said, Kaylin, look at this. As we are there in Chili's or Applebee's or Red Lobster or Maggiano's, which is great. I said, look at this. You know how we're able to experience and to enjoy this? It's because of God's goodness. Because of God's goodness. Pockets full of blessings. When you make sure that you put the right things in them, it will result in a life full of character. Things that you put into your children's pockets today will be infused in their hearts tomorrow and the next day, even into adulthood. I'm here today because of what my parents and grandparents put in my pockets. You may be standing here today and say, you know, Pastor Devin, I, 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 all my children are grown. <laughs> they, don't want, they don't want me putting nothing in their pockets now. <laughs> You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised what they will receive from you when, when, it's, when it's a heavenly gift. Because the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. They're not going to reject a good and perfect gift. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As we approach this, we're right here in the last Sunday before Christmas, and then Christmas next Sunday will be the last Sunday of 2016. And yes, as the announcement said, we will be here Christmas morning for a one-hour service I just couldn't see not having church on Jesus' birthday. By the way, it's my birthday too, so I get to work on my birthday. But it's a joy. But let me tell you something. There are things that God has given you that you need to make sure that you give to this next generation. We have a, a responsibility, we have a job to do. We have to stop being selfish with the gifts that God has given us. We need to make sure that we steward them well, amen? You're in this place and you say, I'm gonna make the decision to, to steward better what God has given me and make sure that I'm instilling the right things into this next generation, whether it's my children or children around me. Just simply slip your hand up. Just simply slip your hand. It's not going to be an altar call. We're just going to just respond right in our seats. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Lift those hands. Lift those hands. Maybe you're in your second second win. Maybe you're a grandparent and you didn't think, you, you, thought, you thought you raising children was done. You were finished. You did five and you're out. Four, no more. <laughs> Here you are finding yourself raising grandchildren. Let me tell you something. God's given you a great responsibility to do what you did the first time to do it again. It's a great responsibility. Maybe God is pressing on your heart. Maybe you don't have children and God is pressing on your heart to foster care or to adopt. Can I just tell you something? There's no greater reward than to begin to move into that realm because let, let me just remind you, those of us who were born again, we've all been adopted. We're adopted into the royal family of Jesus Christ. We're heirs of God, joint heirs of Jesus Christ, and he has made us a part of his family so that we can have a right to royalty. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're just going to pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you, God, for calls, calling us to a point of awakenment awakening to your word, God, awakening to your spirit, oh God, awakening to your presence in our lives. God, we ask right now, God, that as the things that you have put on the inside of us, prayer, personal testimony, 
powerful worship, proven word, precious memories, things that we have been blessed with, God. Give us to pass it on. Give us to instill it into our children and our children's children, even the children around us, oh God, in our neighborhood, here in our church, oh God, on Wednesday nights, on Sundays, in small groups, wherever, God, we come in contact with them, God. God, give us to know that we have something to pass on. Give us not to be ashamed with our testimony. <laughs> give us to tell our testimony, God, because we know that they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. God, we honor you today, God, because we know that the word works. And so we stand on that word, and we begin to declare that word. And as your word says, now are ye clean through the washing of the water by the word of God. God, we're renewed, we're rejuvenated, we're restored through your word. Now, God, as we leave this place, never from your presence, keep us, protect us, Guide us, oh God, in your care, in Jesus' name. Let everyone lift their hand, just begin to worship the Lord as our worship team begins to minister to us. Come on. Our community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org.